Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of NFL Only Better. We are a day late, uh, releasing on a Thursday as opposed to a Wednesday. I'm going to say blame John Bath, who is joining me as well as Mike Carlson. Gentlemen, how are all of you? Well, you can Very well. It's strange, it's strange to talk to you on a Thursday. We usually do this on a Wednesday, so I'm not sure if we... Well, we uh... do the pod on a Wednesday, but we obviously speak every single day of our lives. So. <laughs> I mean, besides our usual good night call, apart from that. Yes, and good morning call. <laughs> wink, yeah. wink. Um, Mike, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Um, yeah, I'm the reason that we're late. I was I was indisposed yesterday, uh, and um, I'm disposed today. <laughs> disposed um, of the Wembley train has moved on, or the Spurs, the the the, the yeah. NFL in the UK. Um, I I listened to the uh, to your 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 other podcast that you occasionally do. Uh, yeah. You made some good points about wh- what they really, I suppose, are. Um, what they're trying to achieve in the UK, which may not be to everyone's taste, I suppose that they're aiming for a more laissez-faire fan, you know, someone to come and just have a good day as opposed to maybe a diehard NFL fan. That's That seems to me what they're doing. They're looking for a new a, a new audience, you know, the new audience. A younger they audience. They haven't yet. Re- ab- absolutely. Younger, a lot more women, um, you know, try, trying to uh, to to get, get that appeal across the board. And, you know, I really think that, um this this helps put into perspective the idea that london would have a permanent team you know because this approach i think you get you will get more fans in with the current the current approach they have which is bringing over the teams for two three four games each year and and they're all pretty much sellouts um whereas if you had one team you're really asking for the more football sophisticated fan to support one team in london and so that kind of doesn't fit in with what looks to be their policy. And I think they'll do the same thing in Germany, you know, that they've been doing in England for the past four years and tried and then try to expand elsewhere. Yeah, well, and and, and elsewhere includes Ireland. I mean, um, Dublin, Dallas, over, as it were. We over here have uh, obviously but recently the, one of the radio stations here in Ireland is broadcasting Pittsburgh Steelers games and Pittsburgh Steelers were here last year in Crow Park. Right. The general gist I got from pe- speaking to people who attended that event uh, was that there is a vibe that within five years, Pittsburgh will play a game at Crow Park. And I don't think anything that I've seen since has made that go any less. In fact, I think it's got closer than that in probably three to four seasons. We'll see it. And you would assume that other countries are on the list. And I did read an article that other countries are very much on their radar. I suppose the only thing is, and we move on from this because we didn't even say we discussed it. It just kind of, I just wonder how you feel about that if you're a fan in the States sometimes, you know. Um, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because spe- especially the Jags who played two games here, you know. Um, but the teams the teams themselves acquiesce to the idea because it's good for the league spreading the game. And, you know, and in the end, it's all about money. Um, and uh, the fans sometimes, you don't hear many complaints, but there is a kind of general um a general distaste for the overseas fan in the, in the sense that they don't really understand they don't really understand the game and you you hear you know an awful lot of that and and uh, especially from the commentators as as it come as it comes over and what the only caveat I'd have with the Rooney rule you know the the Steelers will play in in Dublin um uh, which is great is that the NFL as i say looks looks toward markets and and Ireland doesn't remains a small market um when you're talking about Europe, whereas Germany, for example, is a huge market. Um, and so I think that that's where they're 
you know, that we've seen the games in Munich. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw more games in more German cities, especially because we know that Frankfurt and Dusseldorf. Frankfurt this year, yeah. Yeah, have, they, have, um, they have good fan bases based on the old NFL Europe days. Yeah. Yeah, it's a it's a good point. Um, but we will we will move on. We'll we'll, we'll pick up on that again. And uh, well, when do the games get announced? Oh, it's ages away from when we actually know who'll be back again next year. It'll be a while. Yeah, they people asked, like they, to guess. They asked. Yeah, they asked yesterday. I think NFL Europe put out a thing. What teams do you want to see next year? <laughs> I said, well, you know, I'm thinking to myself, well, it depends on what they look like in week 15 this year. You know, not what they look <laughs> yeah. like in week six. Yeah. Ooh, the Pro Bowl team. The Pro Bowl. Which, team. Before we talk about uh, something, I just uh, I, and I am I'm stealing this tweet, but um, week seven of the NFL season is almost upon us, and obviously it is the most blockbuster league on planet Earth. This week we've got Ritter versus Mayfield, PJ Walker <laughs> versus Minshew, Tyson Bagent versus Brian Hoyer, and Sam Howell versus Tyrod Taylor. Are you not entertained <laughs> by those matchups, people? <laughs> There's some heavyweight blockbuster matchups for you. What? I bet you're glad you're going to Frankfurt for that. <laughs> Who's Tyson Bajan going up against? TJ Walker was? Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer. Oh, man. That's, that's like PJ Walker and Gardner Minshew, I think, this week. Yeah. Isn't it? Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. This, it's PJ Walker against Gardner Minshew this week. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it's Ritter against your boy Mayfield, John. Um, <laughs> this is like the Sunbelt Conference. I mean, if you told someone that six weeks ago, that would be the matchups. For this week, they would have been like, "What the hell? Is <laughs> what's what's gone wrong? <laughs> what happened? Has COVID come back? Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a quarterback meeting." <laughs> uh, John, uh, we have no more teams left undefeated in the NFL. Uh, quite surprisingly, really, <laughs> who actually beat one of them for for the least. I think both of them were quite surprising. To be to be perfectly honest with you. Oh yeah, well, explain yeah. why both were. I think well, only one was massive. What you're, what you're getting at there, obviously, is the Cleveland Browns uh, ending the 49ers undefeated streak, and then also the Jets, the Jets of all people, ending the Eagles undefeated streak. Our favorite team, the Jets. <laughs> yeah. Now that one, I think both were quite unexpected. Like personally, I think listeners and, and you guys would know that I, I follow the Cleveland Browns, and I that have that coincided with a, that that game coincided with like a, a big rugby quarterfinal last sunday so i was like kind of prioritizing that i i just assumed like i'm not much of a I'm, I'm generally an optimist in life i think but i just kind of thought that there was almost no chance that the the browns were going to beat this 49ers team with that offense and the fact that the browns are missing uh like a bunch of their players missing the starting quarterback they're missing nick chubb they're, they're missing joe batonio from the offense like three very very good uh, or very important players and also the 49ers or the 49ers. They've been excellent this season. But Brands take in a, a, a two-point win after a missed field goal to, to win it for the 49ers. And in a game that the 49ers lost McCaffrey through injury, lost Samuel through injury, lost Trent Williams through injury. So that was a, that was a surprising one. Uh, the Jets beating the Eagles, though, was probably a little more surprising, I think most people would say. Um, they're three and three on the year, and that's with Zach Wilson having played ninety nine point nine percent of the snaps for the Jets this year after Aaron Rodgers <laughs> yeah. got injured. Ninety straight away. <laughs> but if you one thing I was looking at, look, people, the Jets are kind of a maligned team, and they have been for for several years. This was meant, meant meant to be their sort of big year. They brought in Aaron Rodgers, obviously. We've, just, we've talked about that, and brought in a few of his receivers and coordinators. This is what this was the year they were they were focusing on. But they're three and three now without Aaron Rodgers, and they've played Buffalo, they've played Dallas, they've played Kansas City, and they've played Philadelphia. Would Rodgers have improved from three and three on that record? Probably not. Is what I was. It's a really good question. You know, it was a tough schedule, and and you know, it makes you ask: How did they lose to the Patriots? 
<laughs> you know, it, it, it's like, how did the Patriots stop stop them? Because, you know, Zach Wilson aside, they they really ran the ball pretty well against Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that was kind of the, you know, the thing. And, and I, I mean, this is a game, I think in both cases, you can argue that, that the, they, the undefeated teams lost the game more than the other team won it. You know, um, it was interesting with Tony Adams, who had the key interception for the Jets that set up the win. And he was being interviewed by, I think it was Josina Anderson, who asked these terribly long questions, which he just said, and he said, you know, she explained the whole situation and said, basically, they, they boiled down to how did it feel, you know, or what did you do? And he said, well, coaches said to me, you know, show blitz in the B gap, but then drop back and Hertz is going to throw you the ball. And that's exactly what happened. happened. He said, all I did was, all I did was do what they told me to do. And the ball came to me and then I'm just really (laughs) sad. I, you know, I I thought I had a touchdown. I didn't get it, but yeah, but that didn't matter. And I think that was kind of the key. They turned the ball over four times, the Eagles in that game and the Jets didn't turn it over at all. So, you know, that was one difference. Strangely enough too, Lane Johnson went out. You mentioned Trent Williams for the Niners. Lane Johnson went out for the Eagles and they've got some horrible, like eight and 23 record when he's not in the game. Which you, you think he's a right tackle? That's weird, but um, their offensive line kind of seems to to de- discombobulate when when he's not there. You know, if Moody makes the field goal at the end, we're not having this discussion about the the Niners and and Cleveland. But yeah, I, I think it's fair to say that Cleveland played really well, and their defense looks like as good, if not the best, defense in the league. You know, they yeah. the thing I noticed watching them was they seemed to be man covering San Francisco most of the game. And that's easier when Debo's out and, and it's easier when McCaffrey goes out. But they were doing it the whole game. And they were yeah. they were slow they were slowing them down. And sure conditions were a factor. But you know, but they ran the ball well against a good defensive team, which you shouldn't be able to do. And defensively they played yeah, you know, brilliantly, I thought. Um, yeah, they so, even even when McCaffrey was in there, they were holding, like he scored a touchdown on the opening drive, and I did see that uh, live, and I was like, "Oh, this is going to be this is going to be a long day. I'm going to switch over to the rugby." But uh, there were a couple of games like that. The you know the Chargers came out on the opening drive and looked like world beaters. Exactly, Dallas. exactly. But so McCaffrey went out. I th- went out by the half, but they'd still held him. Even like he he got a, a lot of yards on that opening drive, but then. By the time he had left the game, the Browns had held him to like 3.2 yards a carry or something along those lines. Just a couple of I, I compiled a couple of little stats here on on the Browns before we get into the into the game preview, Kieran, if you if you don't mind. But Brownsville, just to, just to talk about this defense, <laughs> but they're only five games in now, so it's it's a relatively small sample size. But I think five games is enough to sort of determine that there's a trend here. Like you can look, they passed the eye test as a as a very good defense. So through five games, they're conceding an average of 200 yards per game. That is by far the fewest amount of yards conceded per game in the NFL since the 1971 season. So if you just look at some other some other great teams, uh, the Ravens in, in 2000s when they were a fantastic defensive team, 248 yards per game. Let's see the Steelers in 2004, 259 yards per game. The Legion of Boom, that that great team in or that great defense from up in Seattle in 2013, that was 273 yards a game. So this is they're on pace here to uh, to. Be, you know, have a fantastic season. And like they, they've played, like you said, they've played Christian McCaffrey, they've played Derrick Henry, they've played Joe Burrow, they've played Lamar Jackson, they've played all these players, and these these stats are still there. And the only and the final thing I'll say, this is all authored by the the defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz, who has who I, this is very surprising to me. 
throughout his career against Kyle Shanahan, in Shanahan being a, being a coach and being a coordinator, Schwartz is nine and one against him. So he just has something yeah. against that he guy. Underst- he understands how to. I, I said this last week. I saw that same thing. I can't remember where I said it or when. It was probably too late <laughs> to influence <laughs> my bet my betting. But yeah, um, you know, he he's done a great job with with what they've got, and I think he being willing to man cover. He understands how you how you clog up that middle of the field and you don't you don't give them that that bit that they're looking for and, and the yards yards after the catch um and i think we said in the season preview show that schwartz was one of the big you know we we're talking about players mostly but that schwartz's addition in cleveland was probably one of the bigger bigger positive moves for a yeah. team in, in the offseason uh one thing i did want to mention um was brock purdy guys what did we think about Brock. Now, a couple of streaks came to an end for him then because he lost a regular season star for the first time in his career and he threw an interception after 248 straight passes without one. Now, if you look at his stats for the game, very unlike him. Now, there is a rumour he played with a flu as well. I'm just saying there is a slight rumour, but his rating versus the Cardinals, 134. His rating versus the Cowboys, 144. Uh, his yards in those games, almost 300, five touchdowns in those two games, 70% completion to a 95 rate. His Browns performance, 44% completion rate, only 125 yards, only the one TD, and a passer rating of 55.3. Yeah. Um, Mike, what what did what happened well, he, that he played so poorly? He ran into a good defense. He lost a couple of his key players. And as I said, conditions were a factor. I mean, they're a factor for both teams, obviously. But, you know, he had... He had one moment where he dropped, just dropped a ball, just slid through his hands, um, which which I suppose he'd like back. But everyone's going to have a game, you know, like that. And I, I think what you're talking about from San Francisco and Philadelphia's point of view, you look at what, okay, what went wrong? What what didn't we do right against these teams? What did these teams do to us that, you know, that put us off our game? And, you know, I, I think, I'm not sure. I keep saying the Jets defense isn't as good as, it's it's cracked up to be, but they were playing without some of their star players on defense, you know, and they and they held Philadelphia to 14 points all in the first half. Um, and in Cleveland, as well, John and I agree, it's it's quite possibly the best defense in the league. So, you know, it's gonna it's going to give a lot of people problems. You know, Cleveland's going to lose games when they can't when they can't generate enough offense, basically. Uh We'll move on to the games, but um, again, I, I was just looking up some Brock Purdy snaps. Mike, you probably know how much money is Brock Purdy on this season? What's Nine, his pay? Eight hundred ninety-one thousand dollars, I think, something like that. Nine hundred eighty-one, maybe. I may have the eight hundred and seventy thousand dollars. There's okay, actually there a I website go. which tells you how long it will take for all the others to make that. Yeah. Lamar Jackson no. makes it in less than one game. Mahomes makes it <laughs> in about 40 minutes. Uh, Joe Burrow, 39 minutes. I could go on. Sam Sam Hardman is getting a million five to play for Notre Dame. Um, Shadur Sanders is getting a million six to play for his father at Colorado. Um, wow. Sorry, Lamar and, Jackson, it takes 11 minutes. Mahomes, yeah. 16. So we, th- we live we live in a strange world where the, the, quarter, the quarterback of an undefeated NFL team is making half the money of a couple of college guys, you know. Yeah. Takes- <laughs> Jimmy G, 37 minutes. That's what you get for being the last pick in the draft, though, really, isn't it? Who's the worst? Yeah. Who do you think is the worst? What uh, do you mean worst? Or like who takes uh, – it's Sam Howell. 
I mean, we've gone into the backups. Let's have a little look at Mac Jones, Alon. 374 <laughs> minutes to match it. Uh, Mac, poor you're... Mac Jones, though. Here's, here's Mac Jones, and they're still in the game um, somehow against Vegas. And they've had a touchdown called back on a really sh- terrible uh, You can say shitty. Call. We're allowed. <laughs> yeah, on, on Hunter Henry, which, by the way, there were a lot of, of those. You know, in the Cleveland game, there were a couple of very – cheap penalties uh that kept drives alive and and we we saw you know um uh Teron Johnson of Buffalo get away with a horrible interference uh at the end of the game but you know so Mac Jones they're, they're losing he's throwing from his own end zone and Devontae Adams is over midfield and he hits him with a perfect pass over his shoulder right into his hands and Devontae Adams drops it well, he said, it, he said it hit his fingertips. I'm just, I'm just. Saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you wouldn't want it on your fingertips when you're catching a pass. No, I mean, <laughs> yeah. You but, did see oh, what he, uh, he said uh, that though. He, know, he, he the quarter, is, quarterback couldn't put it in my hands. You know, he missed. He missed by by three. He's arguing points. with the instant replay about where the ball landed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and and that just to me summed up, you know, what what's going on uh, with with New England. You know, Mac Jones finally throws a a really good pass, and and they. You know, and and part of it too is Demont Devontae Adams is supposed to be a deep threat. He can't get open, but he was open on this one because no one was expecting the Patriots to throw deep, deep in there because they just can't. Um, but you know, poor Mac. Um, he's, uh, he's got he's got problems. They don't know what to do. They don't know what they're doing. You know. Yeah, we've Malik Cunningham sh- should be playing at quarterback this week. I like the way you both just randomly go to the teams that you support and just start giving me stats and, and randomly <laughs> just like being annoyed at things. Well, so you know, you mentioned John. I didn't randomly go to Patriots. You mentioned Mac Jones. I just said how long it takes for him to make the thing, which is, you know, he should be lucky he's making that money. <laughs> um, the Jacksonville Jags. Like we can never, yeah, well, give me we another, can never leave them. Give me another 12 minutes. Give me another 12 minutes here. And I'm um, up there in that Trevor Lawrence is a doubt at the moment, I believe. Uh, yeah, Jacksonville Jags take on the Saints. It's even money about the Jags. The Saints are 5-6, to 1.5 to spread, 39.5 or over under. And why I say that Trevor Lawrence is a doubt as we record here at 9.30 in the morning is why this is a dangerous game because, John, like, a lot of it rests on whether Trevor Lawrence is, takes to the field or not, if you ask me. Yeah, it yeah, does. You're at- um, Sorry, go ahead, go, Mike. Go, no, you go, John. Fine. No, I was just going to say, you know, this is a, an interesting one to keep an eye on through the, because we're actually are recording on a Thursday and the game is later on today. Well, technically tomorrow morning, I suppose. But um, yeah, keep an eye on this line. This might be a good opportunity to take it. Just look, have a look on Twitter. Look at all the the, the injury websites. See if Lawrence is playing because that should very, very much influence your your bet on this one. Uh, if he's not playing, I think the uh, over-under, the under is, is looking good. I've got, did you just say 39.5, Kieran? Uh, yes, I did. John. Yeah, it so, was thirty-eight yes, five yesterday. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Fun. So that that could be uh, that could be uh, this is uh, that's the biggest factor in in this game for me anyway. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. Just even even besides that, the Jags are coming into this. They've won three in a row, but I think they've sort of squeezed a few of those victories out um, that wouldn't necessarily have been there otherwise. They're they're actually getting outgained. They got outgained by their opponents in all three of those wins, and that's not really a recipe for success. And they're uh, I've got it here that they're twenty sixth in the NFL in net yards per play so far this year. Now that's the Saints' offense is the Saints' offense is nothing special, but I think the defense should be able to potentially keep a cap on that, particularly at home. So I think I actually favor the Saints to win this one and to um, yeah, I, I, and I, I think I'd be more confident to be under. I think Lawrence, you've just hit your, you've just hit the nail on the head as to why Lawrence is so important because he is a big play quarterback, um, and that's how they've made big plays. You know, Peterson's offense gets 
gets the chunk run from a- ATN. They get the passes to Ridley. They get the passes to Kirk. Um, and I remember the first game at Wembley, they had a great second quarter against Atlanta. And then they they went back to a kind of vanilla style offense instead of running all the misdirection that Peterson was running. And someone asked him during the week about that. And he said, we knew Atlanta wasn't going to score on us. <laughs> so, so there was no point in, in running our whole offense through, you know, we, we just did. And I thought that was incredibly um, confident in them. So I, I agree with you. If, if, if Lawrence is playing, I, I would, I would take the Jags. Otherwise the, if he's not the under is a great bet. Okay. Um, let's move on to some six o'clock games and nine twenty-five games. And we'll start with the game. I suppose that sky, have chosen. We do know it, obviously, because now we are recording on a Thursday, which is rare. Vegas, Vegas against the Bears. It is not <laughs> Vegas against the Bears for once. It is Lions at Ravens. Someone asked me the other day, "Are there Ravens in Ireland?" And I said, "No," which I have been proved wrong. There are a lot, seemingly. That's a side note. I don't know why I even bothered. But Detroit Lions <laughs> at Baltimore Ravens, uh, six to five about Lions, four to six about the Ravens. Uh, it's three points spread. Forty-two point five is the over/under. Forty-two. Mike, Mike, um. The Lions, and we mentioned them in our season preview, but they are becoming a bit of a, a bit of a story this season. Yeah, um, and they're they're five and one, and de- deservedly so, I think. Um, they're well, how I'm trying to think of how you put this. They're surprisingly de- good defensively, uh, better than we thought they would be. They, I mean, they went out and picked up secondary guys who they thought were going to be law. You know, um, Chauncey Gardner Jones in particular. Um, but Anzalone is playing really well. He's he's playing like Matt Milano played in in uh, Baltimore and, and as in Buffalo, and he's just just as much of an injury risk, sadly. But the real key to that team is the offensive line. Um, it is a really good offensive line. It, it's keeping Goff relatively relatively clean in the pocket, which is what he needs to be to be successful. And when he is, he's got a great arm. The only thing in my mind that they really lack is, is a downfield um, threat. They, they they really are good at spreading the ball around to their receivers. And Amon Brown, you know, St. Ra, um, Amon Ra, St. Brown um, <laughs> is, um, you know, is an amazing possession receiver you know when they need something they they go to him and take it if montgomery's out that slows them down a bit and i think that's kind of the key thing against the ravens um you know and the ravens will hang in this game um they'll they'll force they'll force detroit um into they won't give up big plays i don't think to detroit which is what makes this what makes this really interesting in that sense and i noticed that you know, the over-under has gone up a point here, too. Last week, there were 15 games, and 14 of them went under. Really? So I think this week's on over-unders, I think you had, I think, four that are under 40 and, and another three that are under 42. And I think they're all going to slightly slide up as, as people start thinking about the games, you know. Yeah, it can kind of be like that, can't it? We mentioned before about a streaky week one, it was all unders. Week two, it was all overs. It's... It's hard to follow. Any given Sunday, Mike, your favorite saying. Um, the uh, we'll, we'll ask you about some six o'clock games uh, shortly. John's laughing at that. Thanks, John. Uh, Chargers <laughs> at Chiefs, nine twenty-five game. It's not even hard to pick which one it'll be. Justin Herbert taking on Patrick Mahomes, nine to five about the Chargers. The Chiefs four to nine, five point five is the spread. Forty-seven point five is the over/under. John, I'll go to you first. We call the Chargers the ultimate teases. They continue to be just that. If you ask me, they can be yeah. amazing. And they can be downright dog shit. 
That's it. And I think, uh, sorry, do you, what, is the spread still five and a half there, Kieran? Is that what you said? Yeah, I know you were yeah. lost in my eyes. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I mean, that's exactly it. Uh, I think that is, you know, I think the Chargers were my best bet last week. I guess we'll get to that towards the end of the show and it didn't come off. Um, but I still just have a little bit of faith in this team. Like that's the, a five and a half spread. I mean, I obviously it would be nicer if it was like closer to seven. Um, but that's tempting me, I, I think, a little bit now. The Chiefs, they're still there. Look, they're still the Kansas City Chiefs. That's not changed. Obviously, they're still Patrick Mahomes, they're still Travis Kelsey. But as mentioned at length on this show so far this season, there's not a great deal else there. Pacheco from running back is good, but I'm talking about in the passing game. Uh, they're they're just not as high powered as you might expect a team, an Andy Reid team, to have been. And now that's that's the Mahomes contract. That's the Kelsey contract. There's un- understandable reasons for this kind of thing. But while the Chargers are are quite a volatile ty- team this season, I think they're quite hard to predict. I've noticed this might be the one where they come back after, you know, like that disappointing late loss to the Cowboys on Monday night. A Chargers team on the road looking to prove something with a decent spread, I think, is worth looking at here from the in from the market perspective. So. At the moment, I'm going with Chargers on the handicap here, and and maybe Mike will persuade me otherwise. But that's where I'm thinking so far. I know, I know what you're thinking. I just don't. I think Kansas City's a touchdown better than them at home. Yeah. Um, you know, and um, probably because of the defense. I mean, they're so Chargers are so frustrating at moments. They in that game um, Monday night, they look. You know, they look great, and then at other moments they they can't do it. They couldn't run the ball. That's but then again, neither could Dallas. You know, Dallas had one or two Dak Prescott's quarterback, you know, draw, and um, you know, but Pollard and Eckler were both more effective receiving than than they were than they were running the ball. Um, and without Williams, I think Keenan Allen had a great game to me. Um, but you can't keep you can't go to him all the time because he, you know, he, he's just he's just not there. So. Um, I kind I kind of like the Chiefs in this one, even giving even giving the points. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if this was an under at forty seven five. Oh, you know, I fancy that to move because they are two high powered offenses. Um, yeah, I th- I think that could move again Sunday. Yeah, well, uh, the cowboy the Cowboys and Chargers went off at fifty and a half. Yeah, and yeah. what did they what did they net thirty seven twenty seventeen right? Yeah. Um, my, if if you were to play like some sort of fantasy GM and you're sitting there with the Los Angeles Chargers right now, um, not so much with the Chiefs, but as you said, they do seem to have all the pieces at times. But what is the piece of the puzzle that they're actually missing to be like a genuine Super Bowl threat? I, I would change the coaches, but if I were, I mean, he is under pressure GM, all the time. Yeah, yeah um, I'm just not. You know Staley and Moore both. I'm 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 just not that impressed with the offensive line. They keep adding to and 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 they kind of seem stuck on a treadmill. Injuries being a part of that, but but their offensive line was not that good. Herbert, who I I've you know loved and pumped up for a couple of years since he came out of college, but he always seems to have one or two brain fart moments in, in games. You know, or or just not being able to take take what's there. Uh, and like I said, Mike Williams is a loss for their for their offense. Um, this would be, you know, everyone thinks that Jerry Judy is is supposed to be, you know, find a new home um, that Denver wants to get rid of him. Said so the Chargers would actually be a place for Judy to try, um, you know, to to resuscitate his career. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. 
Um, okay, we'll go back to some six o'clock games and, and get your update on Red Zone in a little while. But uh, let's uh, move on to the Dolphins at the Eagles, uh, which is an absolute stomper of a game on paper. 23 to 20 about the Miami Dolphins. The Eagles are 7 to 10. 2.5 is the spread. And it's 51.5 on the over-under. Mike, I'll stick with you. Like, this sounds exciting, this game. Yeah, this this is it's it's a real it's a real challenge, and um, you know this is one of those games where you say, look at the weather. Um, you know what are the Dolphins going to be able to do in Philadelphia, or is it you know is it going to be windy and stormy and cold, or uh, will will they be able to run the ball? And it's a real test of the Philadelphia defense, um, and this is where I'm thinking to Cleveland and Jim Schwartz. You know, the Eagles' defense is massive up front. You know, they, they should be able to stop the run. They should be able to rush the passers. But Miami attacks you at the second at the second level, you know, and, and you have to be able to to cover with your linebackers and your um, defensive backs. And Philadelphia is kind of a zone team and they kind of take zone teams apart. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's really fascinating. And and Cleveland have shown Miami's defense a way you know, to slow them down. I don't know whether Vic Fangio will take it or not. And I also think that some of the hype about Vic Fangio, which which I was included in, because I, you know, I've been impressed with him over the years, may well have been exaggerated. And and people were t- were saying to me, well, think about this one. The Eagles hired Vic Fangio to help them prepare uh, for the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, and look where that got them. Um, so you know, I, I think strangely enough, the uh, I, I looked at 51-5 and I thought this is an under game to me, even though Miami's offense is so explosive. But the more I think about it, the more I think that this one could could actually go over. Um, oh, that's what we love to hear. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I don't know. A two and a half to me seems like a kind of small spread. But you know, I might even take Miami on the money line in this. Oh, that's, that's, that's the type of chisel that we listen for. That's shizzle, but it's also sizzle. Now, John, add to that steak. Mine, my my take isn't quite so sizzling, I think, but I do agree on the uh, the over the the fifty one five here isn't really deterring me from taking that, given the two offenses that'll be taken to the field, but also given the two defenses, the Dolphins are shipping points even even in victories. Like the the Dolphins are a real sort of like forty two twenty two team or something like that. That's kind of the the, the way some of their wins have been going so far this year. I think the Eagles. And Mike said that they're, you know, they're a huge unit up front and things like that, and that's definitely true. And I love. I think they had a fantastic draft, um, but at the same time, I don't think they're quite the unit so far that they were last year. So you know, they're going to ship a couple of points in this game. I think so. Fifty-one-five. That's teetering a little bit on the brink for me, uh, I suppose. But I'm going to be, like I said earlier in the show, I'm an optimist today. So I'm going to go with the uh, the over in this <laughs> one and, and hope that we have a, a fun sky game on, on Sunday. Uh, well, you you could be tucked up in bed at half one in the morning, mate. You should be now. Come on, you're getting That's on. True. That's true. He doesn't. He doesn't sleep. Yeah, it, it shows. It There's shows. Sixteen it's NFL or fifteen NFL games to watch a week, or fourteen, or whatever it is. So, you know, each one takes three hours. <laughs> yeah, this um, week's good. This week's only thirteen. So, yeah, there you go. San Francisco 49ers take on the Minnesota Vikings in Monday Night Football. The Vikings now sit uh, two and four after beating the Bears last week. Um, and the 49ers, of course, we've spoken about uh, quite a bit at the top of the show. The uh, betting 3-10 to 10 about the 49ers, the Vikings are 5-2. to two. It's a touchdown spread, seven points, and the uh, spread is 
is uh, excuse me the spread is 44 at the moment um let's go mike first well I if they're giving minnesota 44 i'll take minnesota yeah i think give me the over under <laughs> <laughs> see the way when when i miss one word i then double it up that's, yeah that's, that's uh yeah that's uh um, it's like airlines when they delay a flight let's just delay it yeah, loads <laughs> the good news for san francisco is they've got an extra day to you know to get people healthy the bad news is that they're on the road again um and uh back-to-back road games are often kind of a strain on, on people so uh I, i'm not if this were I, w- I would jump on san francisco if this were under under seven um and i think i'd probably still take them with seven um, it's a push it? just, yeah it's a push you know? i just don't think the vikings are that good basically they haven't they haven't really shown an, enough consistency um, and I think even, you know, check the injuries. I mean, I don't know what Debo and I, McCaffrey, I don't think is going to be be playing. I don't know what Debo Debo will be doing. But, um, you know, I, I just I just have to stick with San Francisco in this one. Um, and to me, this is a kind of 27-14 sort of game, which which would put it under um, under 44. I guess the the thing with uh, the Vikings, and I'm just checking on some team news while we speak as well, is it feels like all is not very well in uh, the camp at the moment. Uh, there's talk about Justin Jefferson, um, who it seems like he's going to be out for at least four weeks anyway. Um, they're uh, four to six, but four definitely. Uh, he probably wants out. The Kirk Cousins era is probably coming to an end. The coaching era may be coming to an end as well. John, it's it's it's. I mean, you're a Browns fan. It's kind of Browns esque. What's going on there? It's a bit brandy, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit brandy. It's all <laughs> I brown in that, that town. It's all brown there. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I don't think there's an. From my perspective, at least, it's not like an all is lost situation in Minnesota. They're two and four. And uh, I think we said it last week or the week before, perhaps. But like last year, I think they kind of overdid what they were capable of in terms of their uh, their at least their record. And I think this year they're underdoing. And I don't know if they're too like they were one and four last week. They won and things like this. So I don't know. Without Justin Jefferson, it's very very tricky. But you know, I can't add too much more to it than what Mike has said. But you know, if Christian McCaffrey is out, if Debo Samuel is out, if Trent Williams, the best tackle in the league, is out, that opens the door a little bit for a Vikings team at home. To, uh, to to play with a handicap of seven here. So at the moment, I'm cautiously going for Minnesota with, with, with the seven or, you know, giving away or 49ers giving away seven points here. I think that is the, now it's, it's not going to be my best bet of the week, but I think there's a little bit of value in that. If you're, uh, if you're looking for a bargain out there somewhere. Interesting. I'm just looking at the Vikings. Uh, so they're two and four, their points for 129, their points against are 135. That would be a points differential of six. Yeah. See last year, that was good enough for them to be Which, six and oh. Tells me that they haven't lost by too much in many of these games. Well, let, let me let me put this into reality. The reason Kieran's so high on the Vikings oh. is that he won he won last week betting the Vikings um, <laughs> minus minus two and a half against uh, the Bears, and they won by six. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's my new policy is to look at the Bears and just stick with that <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> that's, that's my See, also the Denver Broncos, yeah, or, or the Denver Broncos. Yeah, yeah, I was surprised Sky didn't give us Carolina this week, even though they're on a bye. Oh, 
Uh, well, actually, let's rewind it then. Uh, Mike, have you got anything else for us in those six o'clock games that catches your eyes? John, I might get you on the Browns, Colts, but anything else? Uh, obviously, um, Bills, New England is is a big one uh, for you. <laughs> no one else. Yeah, and you know, I mean, if if the bill if the Bills at home can only beat the Giants fourteen nine in a game that the Giants had chances to at least you know be in be level. Um, and and threw it away. And it was the day bowl, you know. The um, don't do I, it. I think I think that um, I think New England getting six and a half is is kind of interesting. There, it's just a, well, they're getting eight exact, and a half. Oh, they're getting eight and a half now. I think New England with eight and a half might well be a you know might well be um, a, a worthy bet. But um, they, Buffalo's had their number, you know. Josh Allen has has had his way with New England pretty much, um, apart from the one game they played in the in the blizzard up in Buffalo, um, where New England ran the ball all the time. So, I mean, eight and a half becomes very tempting uh, with New England, but I might even stay away from that as well. the The under in this one might be a better bet at forty point five. I think it'll be a kind of one sided scoring game. And John, I should get you on the Browns Colts at six o'clock. Uh, Thirteen to twenty, the Browns Colts are five to four. Two point five is the spread. What's the over under here? Was it like is it 40. still around forty? Yeah, I mean, on Cleveland this year, particularly, you know, I won't go too deep into it because we talked about it at the top of the show. But with it, did like ten very, minutes already. Yeah, such a, such a good defense <laughs> and an offense that is, you know, it's not good at the moment, particularly without the starting quarterback Deshaun Watson and things like this. So it does look like that PJ Walker will be playing again. And despite beating the 49ers in his Browns debut last week, he had, you know, zero interceptions. He had two or the zero touchdowns, two interceptions, and I think he threw for about 190 yards. So that's not a recipe for, you know, success in this league from the offensive side of the ball. But only because the defense is so good, I think that the Browns can win this one. But I think until proven otherwise, I've said this already this season, just go with the under in a Browns game because that's more than likely what's going to happen. And, you know, I think 40 is quite a quite an interesting one here. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if that was 37, 36, something along those lines. And that might well dip by the time Sunday comes around. So, I mean, I think if you're listening to the show on a Thursday or a Friday, this might be a good time to uh, to take that bet on. Well, today is Thursday. So, yeah. Well, that's why I said, yeah, if you're yeah, listening like to the show. <laughs> um, a reminder of uh, the big promotion that takes place every Sunday uh, on the Betfair Sportsbook. It is uh, bet five pounds on a NFL bet builder and you get a five pound free bet. Terms and conditions apply. See the uh, podcast description for all of that. But do take advantage of the bet five. Get five. Offer, gentlemen, uh, Mike, best bets. Since you're like right. the independent adjudicator, <laughs> yeah. Last just just to catch up, last week, um, John had a bad beat because he had the Chargers plus two and a half, and they lost by three. Oh, um, so he's 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 three and three on the season. Kieran got Minnesota, as we said, he's three and three on the season. Boom. And for some reason, I had someone who listened to the pod say to me, "Boy, you sounded indecisive on your best bet." And I said, "Yeah, the whole time I the whole time I was looking at Atlanta, Washington, inside my head, this voice was screaming under, under, under." And <laughs> for some reason, I said Atlanta. So Atlanta obviously lost, but the game did go under. But I'm two and four now on the season, which is embarrassingly bad. I'm going to go with Pittsburgh and the Rams under forty three five. Okay, I, Pittsburgh. I think unders are unders are another good bet around the league this week. But yeah. there we go. 
Well, John, I'm going to let you go first, but I am also picking an under. But yeah, so go am ahead. I, unfortunately. Oh, uh, the yeah. Undertakers! Can I get the music? <laughs> Bong. Actually, no, WWF would probably want money for that. So Yeah, I think... A character uh, associated with the WWE that walks out to uh, funeral music. <laughs> well said, Kieran. Well said. Um, yeah, I'm going the under in the in the Browns-Colts game. I think it's the... Uh, 40 points is a very, very attractive one in this one. So, again, I can't go too deep into it. Good defense, bad offense. Uh, Colts, not great. Cleveland, under. Cleveland to win, plus the under. Sorry, I dropped my pen there if anyone heard um, a big bang. You can see it says says Betfair on it. (laughs) Um, I am going to Mill Pals, the Chicago Bears, who host the Las Vegas Raiders. And... The over-under is at 37.5, right? Which is low. And I would be a bit worried if it went any lower. But, like, it's not going to be, like, a 38-39 point game based on (laughs) everything that we've seen from both of these teams, to be truly honest. Brian Uh, Hoyer has had this game sitting there for eight years waiting for an opportunity. Like, it's a 9-6 game. (laughs) It really really is. I was sorely tempted. I was sorely tempted by that one. So I got to agree with you. Even at 37-5, I I would go under on that. You just know, like, uh, Red Zone, you're going to be watching Red Zone for about an hour. At some point, they're going to throw up, like, a third and long that is missed. Oh, yeah. This this game is happening, too. It's happening right now. Yeah. 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 In Chicago, the Raiders have just made a first down. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Uh, so that's that. That is it, gentlemen. Thank you so much. Uh, a, a day late and probably a few dollars short, but look, uh, we got there in the end. Thank you so much for listening. A reminder, of course, of that offer. Please do take advantage of it. Um, a reminder as well to please do gamble responsibly this weekend and every single weekend. Safer Gambling Week is just around the corner, um, and we will be mentioning a lot of that in the uh, in the coming weeks. My thanks to John Baff and my thanks to Mike Carlson for joining me today. Thanks, gentlemen, for getting out of bed early on this Thursday morning. No, no problem at all. And thank you for listening. Um, uh, Do enjoy the show. We'll be back next Wednesday. We'll be back to our regular time slot of Wednesday next week for another edition of NFL Only Better. I'm Kieran O'Connor. Thanks for listening. Talk to you then. Bye for now.